What is up, guys? We are back with the Week 6 SEC Recap. I'm Michael. Skyler, how we doing today? We're doing good. Uh, let me tell you something, Michael. It was not a good day to be a ranked team yesterday. It was not. There was some ranked teams that struggled and some ranked teams that went down as well. That's exactly right. Seven of the AP Top 25 go down this weekend. Um, however, I think three or four of those games were ranked on ranked. But uh, still, I think there was three for sure that lost to an unranked opponent. It's going to lead up to some great conversation today, man. As we, we're kicking off the Week 6 Recap Show, we are the Vol Fanatic Show. Thank you for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, please hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, man. I really do appreciate that. We're trying to push to 50 subscribers on YouTube. We're really close. We had a uh, great video last week. If you want to talk about it, Michael, what did it eclipse? 3,000 views? It has gone up now. I just pulled it up. It has 4.5K views on it now. And Let's go. We had some awesome love this week. We we started at 20 subscribers going into the week last week. We are now sitting at 35 subscribers. So we're we 15 away from getting to go live on YouTube. Of course, we still got some, some kinks to work out. Once we get there, we'll just have, kind of have to test it out. But if you haven't had the chance, like Skylar said, go and subscribe to the YouTube, Ball Fanatic Show on YouTube. Where you can watch us, you can also watch us on Spotify and then listen to us on Apple Podcast. That's right. Share the show. Um, give us some feedback. I would do want to give out a shout out as we like to do one shout out a week. Um, I got my man Chris Smith, who is a farmer's agent in Oak Ridge. Um, he's been listening to the show. He actually calls me on like Monday or Tuesday and he's just like, man, I just got done listening to the episode. I want to talk about a few things. And so we will have like a 10, 15 minute conversation just about football. And uh, he literally talks about everything in the show. So, so shout out to Chris. Thank you for listening. There was a lot of people I could have shouted out, by the way, there was so many people that reached out to us this week. So um, greatly appreciate it. Michael, you got somebody you want to shout out? I'm actually going to shout out somebody that this probably, that it's almost a 0% chance that he will hear this, but <laughs> watching the Josh Pate show this past week, he was talking to Cole Kublik. And they were talking about how, you know, Cole started his own uh, podcast on YouTube. Just a, a bunch of people are wanting to just talk football and it be like just a calm football show of people that actually know what they're kind of talking about and not these Stephen A. Smiths of the world that just have no idea what in the world they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Him saying that, that is exactly what you and I are trying to do right now. We're just trying to talk ball. That's right. I, I wanted to give him a shout out for saying that right there. And I know I didn't say the quote exactly the way he did it, but Right. That's, he is 100% correct. No, absolutely. That's all we are, man. We're not we're not insiders. Um we're just fans, man. Um I'm not going to say what Boogie Bentley at the Talking Balls network they say, but uh, they're spot on, man. We're not um we're just fans. We love to talk ball, and that's what we're here to do, man. But um without further ado, let's get into the recap, dude. We had a fun weekend. We did uh, first off, we're not going to talk about Tennessee South Carolina or Auburn in the recap. We'll kind of talk a, a little bit about them in our second video of the day, our prediction video, because they were on bye weeks this past week. So nothing to recap from this past week. Uh, well, Tennessee still off. found a way to lose and not throw a single touchdown pass. So I think we should bring in Nico, honestly. Okay, you got me on this one. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss this in a little bit then. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It was a joke, bro. It's just okay, I was going to say, is there something that you know that I don't? No. no, those Tennessee fans out there that they, and they cracked me up. But in, in Facebook, they were like, "Man, Joe Milton hasn't thrown a single touchdown today. Should we bring in Nico?" And I'm like, "All right, that's that's actually pretty funny." <laughs> yeah, that is pretty funny. So, but anyways, 
the first, first game on the list is uh, we have Western Michigan at Michigan, uh, Mississippi State. It's a great bounce back win um, as they played in Starkville, Mississippi, but we really don't have any notes on this one. We really didn't watch this one as there was a lot more exciting games to talk about. But any thoughts? I know you mentioned something that was pretty important for Mississippi State fans. So one thing that came out of yesterday's game, first off, Will Rogers had another decent day, um, 16 of 22, 189 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So another decent day, but some concern for Mississippi State fans. Will Rogers went out yesterday in the second half mm. with a shoulder injury. So mm, hate to see it. Sure, yeah, not sure how serious that injury is, but that is something to be concerned about if you are a Mississippi State fan because Mike Wright, he is a, a decent quarterback, but he's not what Will Rogers is. So that is a concern going into this week. Well, well, uh, they actually have a bye week. So, I mean, if it is something right. that is just a, a slight injury, then hopefully that uh, break that they have, they'll be ready for the week after. But it's still a concern for Mississippi State. And you hate to see it against an opponent like that. I mean, you hate to see it regardless. But against Western Michigan – a team you know you're supposed to win, beat, and you, it ended up being a semi-close game. But um, you hate to see it. I mean, kind of like said last year against Akron, he went down in a game that virtually we didn't need him in. And when you go in and play games like this, it's supposed to clean up some uh, you know, self-made issues and to stay healthy. And unfortunately, one of your – I mean, your best player on the team goes down. So hopefully hopefully he bounces back after the bye week. And last, last note I have on this, uh, Lent, let me make sure that I'm completely correct on this. Uh, I believe Western Michigan actually uh, gained more yards yesterday than Mississippi State did overall. Yes, they had a massive second half. Yes. Massive second half. Um, something as a Mississippi State defense is kind of concerning. Yeah, so uh, they Western Michigan threw for just shy of 300 yards yesterday. They had 297 yards passing and 116 yards rushing. So, not a real good look for that Mississippi State defense. No, not at all, man. Um, but, hey, let's get to a game that I know me and you are both watching because it was a freaking fantastic game. Like, we knew it was going to be it's so unfortunate the way it ended. But I want to talk about LSU going to Como and pulling out the 49-39 to win. And we all know that that game was a lot closer than that score, uh, you know, kind of gives off. But a pick six with less than a minute to go to seal the dub for LSU. Um, Wow, what a game. I just want to say, it was Jaden Daniels versus Missouri. It wasn't LSU versus Missouri. Just, That's right. That's right. Dude, <laughs> you know, I'm glad you brought that up because Jaden Daniels had that, like, just coming out party type of a game, which I knew he would have to do against Missouri. Now, what I what I didn't see happening was Brady Cook doing the same thing. I mean, I know LSU's defense is bad, but, oh, my goodness, Brady Cook had over 400 in the air against LSU's defense. So I, I want to give a an unfortunate stat in this game because, you know, we just brought up last week Brady Cook broke the SEC record for the longest streak of completions without an interception. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that is. And throws two of them yesterday. But, man, what a streak. I think it ended up being 367 consecutive passes without an interception. So, I mean, that is unreal. But, man, he, he still had a heck of a game and – Something that has been brought up at times this year, and we brought it up before, can we have wide receivers from Missouri step up and help Luther Burden? And you had that yesterday. You had Theo Wees and uh, Mookie Cooper yesterday. Both had 80 yards receiving to go along with Luther Burden's 149 yards. So that is some that is a bright spot for Missouri going forward, that you can have other guys step up for 
the future Bolitnikov winner this year. I'm hopping on that train with you. Just yeah, I was going to say, I called that, I called that uh, a couple of weeks ago where I thought Luther Burton was having that type of a season. And he's, I think, I've seen a graphic on Instagram where he's actually got more yards um, than Devontae Smith through through five or six games than, you know, back when he did it in 2019. 2020. I can't remember the year that he would he did it, but um, so that's something to definitely look out for. But what um, I kind of want to talk about LSU because they won the game um, behind Jaden Daniels, who uh, had 259 yards passing. Um, he had 130 rushing. I mean, so many, so many plays that he made were just off script, just running through the gap of that defense. Was it was it was really fun to watch and offensively we know LSU's there like they've got a national championship level type of offense but what I really want to talk about is how absolute suspect their defense is man like what are what do they need to do and like I mean I think I've seen a thing where LSU hasn't given up this many points through six games in a season ever like in the history of LSU they pulled that graphic up yesterday during the game and you know, to answer your question, I don't know what this LSU defense needs to do because if you look just at the players that they have, this was a defense coming into the year that was uh, expected to be one of the top different defenses in the conference. Absolutely. All sorts of players all over the place on that defense that are like all conference players. But together, they just they, they can't pull it together. I don't know what they need to do to fix that. I get you. Such a gutsy performance by Jay Daniels, though. Like, I'm pretty sure he got hurt, and he was like, no, nah, I'm coming back. Like, I, I'm not going to let this affect me. Um, the, speaking of a graphic on Instagram, I seen, and it was like they took x-rays of Jay Daniels in the middle of the game, and it was his rib cage, and it had that dog in it. <laughs> he, had, he had, like, dogs in his chest, bro. I was like, yes, sir. So, uh, what a gutsy what's a gutsy performance by him. But I don't want to shy away from Missouri now. Missouri, I want to go ahead and go on record. You mentioned that Kentucky may be the second best team in the East last week, and I hate to make you sound bad when I say that. They're not anymore. Not only do I not think, and I didn't think it then either, not only do I not think they're the second best team in the East, I'm not even so sure they're the third best team in the East. And the reason why is because Missouri is actually really decent. I I wanted to see how they performed against LSU. I I get this was at home, but they still proved to me that their offense is legit and they can move the ball even though LSU's defense is really bad, but they never folded. Like even, even through, you know, the pick six at the very end, you know, that was his second pick. I kind of give him a little bit of leniency there because they were kind of in desperation mode. Um, but Missouri moved the ball and, you know, defense was not great in the second half, but they played great in the first half. And uh, I, I think Missouri is, is maybe in the conversation for the second or third best team in the East. Yeah, and if you looked at my uh, power rankings video that I did on YouTube this past week, you know, I said that after our video last week, I said in the power rankings video, Missouri and Kentucky, I ranked them four and five together. Or maybe it's three and four together, something like that. It was four and five. But I'm with with you. I, I jumped a little bit ahead on Kentucky because of how they completely dominated Florida. But it's a Florida team that is not very good. That Missouri team that played against LSU yesterday, and if you play that game 10 times, I think Missouri wins four or five of those games. Oh, yeah. If, if it wasn't for the, the two interceptions that Brady Cook threw, and like you said, one of them was the pick six, 
that really stretched the game out at the end, made it look worse than it was. Missouri probably wins that game. I really think they drive down the field that last possession and possibly kick a field goal to tie it, if not end up scoring a touchdown to win it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you said it right on the money. Jane Daniels took over the game, and Jane Daniels won the game. Like, you know, I was sitting here looking at the stats. You know, the leading passer, obviously, for both teams. You got Brady Cook, who popped off for 411. And then you got Jaden Daniels with 259. So there's actually a big gap right there in passing yards. But let's look at the leading rushers. You had 114 in Schrader with Missouri. You had 134 with Diggs at LSU, right? So kind of the same, right? Then you get the leading receiver. You got Malik Neighbors with 146. And then you got Luther Burton with 149. They're like literally identical stats. But what you don't see is Jaden Daniels' rushing yards. I mean, he took over the game. Yeah, he took over the game, won the game. He needed to. Like, I hated that he had to carry so bad because his defense is just atrocious. But, oh, my goodness, what a gutsy performance by by Jay Daniels. And LSU squeaked by. But, um, you know, on paper, this may look like an upset because LSU is technically ranked below Missouri. But I do believe LSU was favored in this game. They should have been. LSU was favored at one point by seven and a half. I think by the time it closed, it was down to four and a half. Yep. But there was people talking all week about Missouri pulling the upset. And well, I mean, they—I mean, me—I caught it. I mean, I—I I didn't even—I was so confident Missouri went pulling out this game just because it was in Como, and yeah. I kind of felt like LSU's defense, which I feel like I'm right on that. LSU's defense is bad, and uh, you know, it is what it is. I do want to see some improvement on LSU's defense before I jump on the, you know, because they keep saying like, you know, LSU's chances are not gone to win the West. Ah. <laughs> Yeah. You play no, like they are now? Yes, they are gone. I would say mathematically, no, but, you know, anybody watching that defense knows that they've got a lot of work to do. Um, yeah. But yeah. you got any more notes I, on this one? I want to put this one out there. So, you know, towards the end there where uh, Missouri had the ball, Brady Cook got uh, strip sacked, and luckily they recovered it, and it was like fourth and 32. And then the next possession, whenever LSU had the ball – Jaden Daniels pulls it down, tries to run. He gets stripped and luckily falls on it. Wes Rucker on Twitter or X is Twitter, by the way. Uh, He puts he puts on Twitter. He he goes, "I'm now convinced LSU and Mizzou are both trying to point shave." (laughs) I just laughed so hard when I read that tweet. But I mean, it kind of looked that way for a minute. But both of these teams played a heck of a game. I mean, they really did. one question I do have before we move on, is it just – is it like a, a virus whenever a team plays LSU that your defense is just going to be bad? Because, like you said, the first half Missouri's defense played decent, but then the second half it was just – I mean, Jaden Daniels took over and the defense couldn't do anything. So is it a virus whenever LSU plays in the game that there's no defense? I don't know if it's a virus as much as Jaden Daniels is actually really good. I mean, Malik Neighbors is really good. And then, yeah. uh, you know – I don't even know if Diggs is that great of a running back, but when the passing game is just so wide open, it's going to lead to some big running gaps. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think we need to – not that nobody was disrespecting Daniels, but I I do think he's a Heisman caliber quarterback, especially in this year's class. Um, You know, the problem is, is is LSU going to win enough games to keep him in the Heisman conversation? It's kind of like really reminiscent of Spencer Rattler at South Carolina. And I know they had a bye week, but Spencer Rattler's playing great ball. But Jesus Christ, they can't win anything because his offensive line and defense is trash. So um, I don't know, man. I don't think it's a virus. Um, 
But I I can't say it enough. I mean, Jay Daniels just took over the game. He did. So we'll move on to the next game. It was the 330 game on a CBS. We have Alabama and Texas A&M. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game, Skyler? I, I don't say this a lot, but the game happened exactly like I knew it was going to. I Absolutely. mean, exactly like I, I mean, I even have it in my TikTok video. I said, Alabama's going to win this game close. And that's exactly what happened. Jalen Milrow, by the way, I didn't think he was going to throw for 321, but I thought he would take over the game. And that's exactly what he did. Um, both defenses, by the way, really, really good. Makes me nervous next week. Makes me nervous. But, um, you know, it was definitely a defensive game. But Alabama's third quarter, the way they came out of halftime and the way they responded, how the first half just beautiful. Um, Alabama did what they needed to do, which they made a lot of mistakes. I don't want to. I don't want to um, kind of act like Alabama just played a great game. Um, even I think Nick Saban said it in the press conference in a joking manner. They messed up the absolute most that Nick Saban's ever messed up, and like still won the game. And he was like, "There's got to be a record." Well, what I, are your thoughts? I, won't, I won't say that it was the most since he's been a head coach. I mean, I I know that. That's what he said. Well, penalty-wise and, and mental-wise, yeah, I got you. Yeah, but it was the most pre-snap penalties, I think, in Alabama history. I think it was, was like – it, it, it was between – Okay. Something like that. Pre-snap penalties that Alabama had yesterday. Just and, and they do have young guys up front. It was a crazy environment in College Station. It always is. But at this point in the season, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that – they would start to kind of gel together. They would get that communication. You've played in enough hostile environments now that, you know, you would be able to figure some of that stuff out. But then again, we're looking at third Saturday of October last year, what Tennessee Stadium did to Alabama. I mean, it was kind of the same deal there. More more penalties during the plays and not as many pre-snap ones. Um, I, I'm with you. The Both defenses are very strong, which really concerns me for the next two weeks for Tennessee. But Rust the, defense in particular. Yes, yes, absolutely. But, you know, at the same time, there are times both of these defenses look very suspect. Yes. There, there are times that they look very beatable, which I know you can't have the, the same intensity for the entire game. You're going to have a few letdowns. But when those letdowns happened yesterday, they looked kind of bad for both teams. Well, I'm talking about a lot of mental mistakes, too, between both teams. But, like um, – Lord, I want to talk about this, not to go off on a tangent, but it actually costed another team. You know, when Alabama had the game one and they should have just kneeled or run the ball and you got Milrow throwing it out to a quick sprint and he like literally bounce passes it, it's incomplete, stops the clock. And you kind of give a a glimpse of hope that A&M may get the ball back. And the reason why I bring that up is Miami actually lost their ball game last night to Georgia Tech after they decided to run the ball with like a minute and a half left right? Instead of just kneeling it, they ran the ball, they fumbled. Georgia Tech actually scores and wins the game with zero seconds on the clock. So, game management's a big deal. Um, Milrow obviously had that mistake where I guess maybe they were just kind of in their offense, they were close to a first down, or maybe even just gotten a first down, and so they kind of went back into um, you know, the read or whatever. But... if you remember what happened the play before, you know, it was that it was that crazy play with um, not not McKinstry, McClellan in the backfield. Um, Mil- Milrow threw the ball out to him, and he was down on one knee and kind of tipped yes. the ball up. And then he came into a squat and caught it, which means that it was a fair ball or a yep. live ball. He was able to run, and they That's were the trying to – it, it was. They, I've never seen that. 
Yeah, yeah I, I hadn't either. I, I think uh, Gary Danielson, uh, hate him, by the way, but uh, he also <laughs> said that. He said that, you know, he had never seen anything like that either. But I think they were just trying to get up to the line, get a play run before he could get reviewed. And he just, he wasn't thinking at the time. He threw yeah. the ball out there. And I mean, Alabama ended up getting the win. But uh, a question that I have for you here is is the offensive lines for both of these teams struggling? Or is the defensive front for both of these teams just that strong? Because Alabama gave up six sacks yesterday. Texas A&M gave up five sacks. So that I, I think that's a decent question. Is it the offensive lines for both teams? Or is it the defensive lines for both teams? You know, the cop-out answer is a little bit of both. But I'm actually feeling really strong about this. I think the defensive line on both teams are just that good. I, um, I think it's right there. That, that was going to be my answer as well. Yeah, like A&M's defensive line has always been great. And if y'all know, I don't even know if he really made a big impact yesterday. I didn't really, I didn't have the sound on in the game. I was just had the second screen. But, um, you know, Walter Nolan was a five-star DN that we were trying to get really hard for like, you know, two years ago. And he actually ended up going to A&M. And, um, you know, just the talent that A&M has, and we've always said it all year, even the offseason, because they're the offseason princess football. A&M's got one of the best rosters in college football. Um, I seriously think, give you the short answer, um, you know, it's the defensive line. But I do want to kind of twist something that we haven't talked about yet, but I really do want to talk about it. Okay. Jermaine, Jermaine Burton finally showed up. Jermaine Burton did, and uh, the other wide receiver as well. Um, I was going to say, I've got it right here. Isaiah Bond. Isaiah Jer- Bond. Yeah, Jermaine Burton really showed up, but Isaiah Bond did as well yesterday. And that's that's one thing that, we hadn't discussed on the show, but we've been waiting to see is that wide receiver or wide receivers for Alabama kind of emerge and come out and help out uh, Milro. And I think I think we finally saw the emergence of these wide receivers yesterday against Texas A&M. Well, they need it, man. I mean, wide receivers for Alabama has been easy, kind of like their quarterbacks where, you know, you've had just a hell of a run of wide receivers that come through that program. And then it kind of went stagnant. It yeah. went stagnant. But you thought it was going to be Prentice that stepped up. Like, he was the name last year that, you know, was new and, and thought he was going to take over. But Jermaine Burton, if you don't know, transferred from Georgia. I don't know why he transferred from Georgia. I don't know if there was something in the locker room or what, but it cost him a national championship. Um, but he transferred to Alabama, I think, to be that guy. And, unfortunately, last year he just wasn't. Like, I don't know what was going on, um, but he just never really – I mean, he had his good games, don't get me wrong, but just never really took over a game like he did yesterday. Yesterday, he absolutely took over the game. Nine receptions for 197 yards, two touchdowns. That's only good enough for 21.9 yards per reception. I mean, that is insane. Um, Guy had a coming out party. I think he was a little bit cocky at points, which I didn't like, but you know, his play on the field backed it up, so I can't really be mad at that. Yeah, you know, it nearly cost him a couple of times, though. I it think did. he's got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Yep. Texas A&M also ripped the ball out, and he fumbled it. Uh, and Texas A&M recovered it out there on a on a pass play, too. Um, That's right. One thing that I, don't, that I didn't like out of this game, and it wasn't just this game yesterday because it happened in the LSU-Missouri game, too, but – and we've seen it with Tennessee this year. Defensive backs especially going after a fumble – they're trying to get a strip instead of going for the tackle. Well, so, that's Tennessee's defense. <laughs> how, how many times in the past have you seen an Alabama defense 
do that right there. And I saw it, I know, three times yesterday in the game where an Alabama defensive back, instead of going for the tackle, went for the strip, and all of a sudden here goes a Texas A&M running back or wide receiver down the field picking up 20 yards when it should have been eight. Yep. No, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I hate it. There's a lot of things I've been seeing defensively, even with our own team, that I don't like. But then I get slandered because Kamal Hadden decides to have his best game ever after I say everything I say, and then I'm a bad guy. And I'm like, no, everything I said was right. He just had the game of his life last week. Like, whatever. You know, it's fine. In fact, and I do have, like, on the record in week two where I said if Kamal Hadden kept his head straight, he's literally the best defensive back we have on our team. Um Nobody said anything about that, but whatever. Um, so, no. Do you have any final notes on this game, though? I mean, Alabama picks the win. We both predicted that to happen, I believe. Um, yeah. We knew it was going to be a close game. It was in College Station. 12th man was going to come out. Um, one thing I didn't know, A&M's only beaten Alabama twice in its history of the series. And that was with Johnny Manziel. Yeah, that, that was Johnny Manziel. And then the other in one 2021. Yep. So think about all the good teams A&M's had and, you know, Alabama's had. But, like, A&M, at the end of the day, I think they did a side-by-side comparison of Jimbo and uh, someone side-by-side in the stats. I don't think you can get as any, any identical, like any closer of the just straight, the exact same records as you could have. And yet they're, you know, hey, that's none of my business, though. That's yep. none of my business. I'm with you. The only <laughs> other thing I have, I'm going to save – what I have to say about Texas A&M going in the next week for our prediction video. But Absolutely. One, thing, one thing that scares me about Alabama, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about the coming out party for the wide receivers yesterday. They've been run heavy all year this year, though. If they can get both of those together, watch out for Alabama down the stretch. Oh, yeah. Have, Alabama, when they have their – yeah, when they have their full – Good yesterday. No, but, not at all. Well, neither team did. No. I, <laughs> and that, that's another credit to the defensive fronts. That's exactly that's what I was going to say. Yeah, they're they're so good that the running game for both teams couldn't get going yesterday, and both teams adapted, especially Alabama. And, and like I said, if they can get both of those going together in the same game, ooh, I, I I'm nervous to see what's going to happen down the road. Ask Kentucky about Georgia. We'll talk about that game here in a little bit. Um, but first, we want to talk about uh, Florida just putting the laydown on Vanderbilt and Gainesville. Um, 38 to 14. Save it. You don't have to get mad. Vanderbilt didn't pull the upset in Gainesville. Okay. All right. Nobody can beat Florida in Gainesville. Um, I'm joking. That was a joke. Okay. That's a joke. Just none of the Tennessee teams could beat them in Gainesville. Um, I, I, I tell you, one thing that surprised me in this game is I really thought that Vanderbilt was going to cover the spread in this game because it was 18 and a half by the time it closed. And Vanderbilt just the mistakes. They're yeah. making so many mistakes. It's almost like they're they're really not learning from these mistakes as the season goes on. And you can't win ball games when you make mistakes the way that they are. Um, but credit to Florida yesterday, they did what they needed to do in the game. Well, I mean, I want to talk about that though, because how many times have we seen uh, the head coach? Why is his name not coming to me? Come on, Clark Lee. Thank you, Clark Lee. Um, and like a halftime interview or post-game interview where he even admits, yeah, we're making way too many mistakes. Okay, why are you cleaning it up? Like, what what is keeping you guys from fixing those mistakes? Because like you mentioned, I mean, the talent isn't that big of a gap. Okay, let me point that out. The talent gap is not that big. It's really but, not. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, but now I will say this. Kenny Seals, 
who statistically didn't have a terrible game, he did make some like weird throws. The throws that I've seen, at least when I was tuned into the game, and I'm just like, what? Or what kind of decision was that? Or, you know, the throw just not even being accurate, like whatsoever. Um, you know, I get it. He's having to step in, but, uh, you know, he's going to have to get a little bit more accurate. If you remember, he was the starting quarterback like two years ago, you know, so he's got the experience. We just need to see him, you know, bring it full circle. Um, but Graham Mertz, once again, you know, he's been overshadowed this year, but just one of the accurate, most accurate passers in the SEC. He is, he's quietly doing it for Florida. I mean, we, yes. we, we have just, especially me, I'm not going to throw you out there, but especially me, I've been talking down on him all year. You know, Graham Burst, he is not the guy. You know, why, why are they waiting so long to make this quarterback decision if Graham Burst was the guy all along? You know, is he really that bad? He's not. He's, he is the most accurate quarterback in the SEC right now, statistically. And he was 30 of 36 yesterday, 254 yards and three touchdowns. I That's mean, right. What, what else? I mean, the stats don't lie there. He is he has been very efficient this year in games. So I, I really don't know what to say because Florida looks good at times. I know this was Vanderbilt yesterday, but they look good against Tennessee. And then other games, they just look very complacent with the way that they're playing out there. I'm just looking, um, you know, cause they had a great game on the, I mean, everything was working for Florida offensively. Um, but did, did Trevor ETN not play? He was hurt yesterday. I saw him on the sidelines. He was, he had his Jersey on, but he was in uh, street clothes other than that. Okay. So, I got you. I'm not sure how bad that injury is. So that's something to look forward or look look to going forward is, you know, how bad is that injury? When will he be back? Right. What about the freshman tight end for uh, Florida? Arliss Borningham. He have a coming out party, kid. Seven receptions, 99 yards, and two tutties on the day. Two that tutties. Was, that, that's something else. They need that, man. They need somebody, especially with ETN going down, right? You have Ricky Pearsall, who actually quietly had a terrible game. Four receptions, 34 yards, and a couple of runs. He did have a touchdown on a run. Um, but, you know, you need other guys to step up. So what do you do? You have a wide receiver in Wilson the third, and then you have Boardingham, the tight end, freshman tight end. Man, something that's it's not, it shouldn't be surprising. Tight, I mean, Florida is known for their tight end. I mean, they always had decent tight ends. Um, so Kyle Pitts a couple of years ago, exactly. Kyle Pitts, Aaron Hernandez. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> say that. I'm joking, gone forever. All right, all right. Um, no, I just, you know, it's a game for Florida, but obviously, this one didn't have our attention, um, nearly as much as. What? You want to hear the most Vanderbilt stat ever that they showed in this I, game? I know what you're about to tell me. I know I've seen it already. Go ahead. Throw it on. It's it's not even a Vanderbilt. It's like the most Tennessee stat ever, dude. Like, go, go ahead. Lay it on me. So, Vanderbilt's punter yesterday, he is now the only punter in NCAA history to punt <laughs> over 11,000 yards. Hey, I got a quote for you. <laughs> Let's hear it. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die, baby. Let's go. All right. Dude, he's a he's a legend. He's a legend. All right. Look, 
imagine if you're, you know, Clark Lee and you're going to recruits and you can lay that on them, dude. Like just <laughs> go into the living room and say, hey, this guy is actually at the top of the leaderboard in all of college football. Like, I'm, hey, it's a recruiting tool, man. It's a recruiting tool and you better use it wisely, okay? It is, but do you want to go to somebody's couch and say, look, I mean, we, we've got this guy that's on top of everything, but this right here means we're not going <laughs> to score points. We're going to punt all the time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's small victories. I mean, they're not <laughs> on the top of anything else, bro. Look, they've got no other records. Like, this man gets his – like, he's going to have, like, a Peyton Manning Hall at Vanderbilt now, okay, <laughs> because of that. Uh, no, I'm joking. All right. Let's go on to the next game that we thought was going to be an absolute showdown in the East, but my, oh, my, did the Wildcats let us down again. Georgia whoops the crap out of Kentucky, 51-13. to In Athens, Georgia, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this before I get your reaction. This is the first game that I tried to watch and actually cut the game off. I never finished it. I, I didn't finish it either. I got into I it, and I was like, wow. This, I actually this, swapped to Arkansas Ole Miss for the night. Yeah, I was like, this is how this game is actually going? Oh, yeah. I, I, I just want to throw something out there. So this was the video that we had on YouTube that got the 4.5K views. We did – I posted our uh, Kentucky-Georgia uh, prediction on there, how we were talking, and you kind of got slammed in the comments. But it, it was just because you, you misspoke in the video. You did. Had, I did. Yeah, you were you were talking about Georgia, and then you said, and I think Georgia pulls the upset here. And the that's Georgia not what I meant. Fans, yeah, that that's not what you meant at all. But the yeah. Georgia fans in the comments that just slammed you over and over about uh, Georgia's the favorite, but it's going to be an upset in yeah. Athens. Really, I mean, I mean, you, you can no. obviously tell that you just misspoke in that. But no. well, I mean, Georgia fans pull. I'm, I'm a rookie. All right, we're both rookies in this. Okay. Right. But uh, I did misspoke. I, mean, I I knew Georgia was going to win the game, but I I just mentioned or what I meant to say, and I said it before that, but nobody watches the whole video. Is uh, you know Georgia should be on upset alert. Now, obviously, even that statement looks like an idiotic statement to make. But at the end of the day, Kentucky was fraudulent because they had only played Florida. But I did know that Kentucky's defense was playing great, and you know if they got a running game, you just you had to assume that Devin Leary is going to click at some point. But now I'm at the t- I'm at the mindset of dude. It's been six games and Devin Leary's just not that guy. No, he's not. And you know somebody brought up, um, do you think that maybe it's that elbow injury that he had that's still kind of lingering? But he said over and over again that nah. that's my problem. Okay, that's what's not- the problem then? It, the problem is it's not he's not that guy. That's the problem. Like, the, the, I mean, there's a reason why he committed to NC State to begin with. Okay. Yeah. That's not a knock on NC. It is a knock on NC State. Look, if you're a top quarterback in the country, you're you're going to go to the SEC, the Big Ten, you know, the eight. Like, I don't know. You're, you're not going to go to NC State. Um, and I know they're in the ACC. But, like, <clears throat> look, Devin Leary had great numbers at NC State. He did have that injury. I think that does set him back a little bit. The fact that he's been so open about that that's not what's causing the issue – do you look at the offensive coordinator at Kentucky or maybe even the quarterback's coach in Kentucky and figure out why you can't take this guy who is being really productive in his old offense and you can't get that same effort out of him in this offense? Is that a Kentucky thing or is that a Devin Leary thing? I kind of think it's a Devin Leary thing because I think that the rest of the offense 
is playing fairly well, especially the you know the running game didn't do as well yesterday, but you were playing against a Georgia defense that is stellar. So I mean, you're obviously not going to be as good as you have been, but to me, it seems like the rest of the offense is really gelling. They're really doing pretty well. But Devin Leary is just not coming around. So I kind of think it's a Devin Leary problem and not an offensive problem or a coaching problem when it comes to that. I got you. Um, so the reason why I turned this game off, one, I knew Kentucky was done. But secondly, when you have a quarterback for Georgia who's not really played particularly – not bad, but he's not really played electric or not gotten off to a fast start or anything like that. But when he starts the game 12 of 12 – over, I mean, I think he had 200 yards in the first quarter and two touchdowns. Like, I mean, the dude started about as perfect of a game as you can start. When you get four quarters from a team that's literally national championship caliber, I mean, you, you get what you got. And I feel bad for Kentucky in the, in the sense that the last, I think, two away games they played on the road at night at 7 o'clock. They've got absolutely trounced. <laughs> I mean, it's not even it's not even close. And you know, to your point about the Georgia fans getting on to me about misspeaking, I'm sorry. I got slander from Kentucky fans because they were like, "Are you kidding me? You're picking Georgia? You know, they just beat Auburn by seven. You know, and I was just like, bro, is you can't take what you did from week to week. And the perfect example of that is Georgia beat South Carolina by ten was the number one team and stayed number one. Now, this is what I don't understand. We beat that same South Carolina team by 20, and we drop in the polls. So, like, going, you know, doing what you did from week to week really doesn't matter. I knew what Georgia was capable of. I know what their ceiling is, or at least I had a better feeling of it than I did of Kentucky. And at the end of the day, when you're one-dimensional, as one-dimensional as Kentucky is, and I hate, I know they hate hearing that because they've been one-dimensional literally forever. Will Levis gave them a glimpse of a passing game, but they've always been a heavy run game. And when you got a Georgia front as strong as theirs that can shut that down, what do you turn to? Devin Leary wasn't that guy. So, um, you know. And we, we've, talked about, we've talked something about Kentucky, but let, let's go over to Georgia and start yeah. talking about him because we've talked about coming out parties for other players in the conference. Is this the Carson Beck coming out party? After the this, game, that yeah, I, that I think yeah, I, I think yesterday was the coming out party, and you know we didn't really bring this up last week, but I have heard on the Eric Ang show, for instance, this past week they were talking about you know is this the game that Georgia finally comes out and plays? It's the game that they get up for because uh, you know it really is hard for Georgia to get up for these games against UT Martin, UAB. The South Carolina game was hard to get up for because of the way South Carolina has started off the year. I mean, it's hard to get up for these games, and Kirby Smart can't use that same, oh, everybody's predicting we're going 7-5 and five this season. I mean, nobody is saying that. Hey, he probably could have. He probably could have after five games. He probably could have said that um, he, for the first time because, you know, there were probably, teams out there doubting him. But. He probably could have, but were the players really going to believe it? No. I don't know. I don't know if they would have. So. I think it was more of a, you know, hard to get up for these games more more than, you know, Georgia isn't as good as they were last year or the year before last because they proved yesterday they're still Georgia. And they're going to yep. keep doing Georgia until they don't Georgia anymore. 
I want to talk about Georgia too and the fact that, you know, obviously we know their defense is good. It's good to see how dominant they were again. I want to talk about their offense, man. You had your your quarterbacks because, you know, Georgia was up by so much they could throw in the backups. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, they had five passing touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. To five different receivers, brother. You had a running back get a touchdown. You had two tight ends get a touchdown. You had a Robert, you had two wide receivers get a touchdown. Let me tell you how well they spread the ball out. Brock Bowers, which by the way, if you're Kentucky, the fact that they let that man get wide open multiple times is just baffling because you know that that's the game plan is to lock him up. But no, he still catches seven for 132, a touchdown, had a 49-yarder you know, catch. That's 18.9 on average. You have Rosamie Jack St. wide receiver, four receptions for 99 yards, day near 25 yards a catch with a touchdown. You had Thomas, Rob Thomas, the transfer from Mississippi State. He got five receptions for 12.6 on average, uh, 63 total yards, another touchdown. You had Edwards, the running back. He had six catches for 51 yards, so he got a great game out of the backfield. Um, dude, you've got all – I mean, just just spreading the ball out. I mean, you had – you had Carson Beck come out in the uh, post-game presser uh, on national television or whatever, come out and say, yeah, we just couldn't miss. <laughs> like, I mean, he said it just really as casually. He was like, it was great knowing that I was protected, I had time to throw the ball, and I couldn't miss. And I'm like, man, what a winner. That's kind of yeah. scary to think about. It It is very scary going forward. But, you know, I, I think all questions for Georgia are gone now. People have – been questioning them all year long, you know, is this Georgia team as good as the teams past? You know, are they are they really gonna win three in a row? Do they have a chance to win three in a row? I still yes. think that there are teams out there that can beat them, but that list is very, very short. And yeah. I think Georgia is just gonna be a buzzsaw for the rest of the season. That's a good point that you brought up though. Um there was a lot of teams where there were some questions and you got some answers on. Um yeah. Some good, some bad. And unfortunately, Kentucky fans, it's the same old Kentucky right now. I mean, it's you started out 5-0, and but, like, everybody predicted 5-0 and to start because you literally played nobody. So, like, you hadn't done anything. You hadn't done anything. And, and I kind of blame ourselves a little bit. Kentucky got really high on that Florida win because we lost to Florida. That's all it was. If we yep. would have beat Florida and then Kentucky beat Florida, they would have not been near as hype as they were, you know? And uh, but no, I, I agree with you. A lot of answers, um, including if you want to go ahead and skip on to the last game of the recap show, and that is Ole Miss getting the the, the closely contested dub against Arkansas in the SIP. There was a drone show there that I was telling you about. It said party in the SIP. I thought that was kind of cool. But uh, what are your initial reactions on this one? So so let me ask you a question. Starting off, was this a hangover game for Ole Miss? against Arkansas after the game that they had last week against LSU because I, I kind of think that it was. Ole Miss did not look like they have through the rest of the season, minus the Alabama game. I, I really think this was a hangover game after what happened last week because I don't think Arkansas is that good. Matter of fact, my SEC power rankings, Arkansas was number 13 on my list out of 14. And I, I'll, all right, I'll give my reasoning why. Yeah, you got to, right. yeah, you got to give me a reason on that one because I don't agree with that at all. Now they have they have played well against teams this year, but I I put my my metrics at you know power five wins, power five losses. You know, I've looked at 
you know, home and away, their records on that and stuff. Arkansas is one of two teams in the SEC that does not have a Power Five win. And Mississippi State yeah, they lost. To, they lost to BYU, didn't they? Yes, they did. That's yep. why I have Mississippi State one spot ahead of Arkansas in my SEC power rankings after one month. Okay, I can agree with that because I mean I, I agree that the West is down actually mm-hmm. with with Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Auburn. Um, maybe I don't disagree with that. I would have had Mississippi State at thirteen, probably Auburn at twelve, and then Arkansas at eleven, probably. But then you know it'd have been really close with with Florida. But I mean, either way, I do agree with you. I think this is a hangover game. I think it was kind of hard for them to get up because it's it's you had that great win against LSU. Um, you go in against Arkansas. Like you mentioned, um, not really a big game, not not going to be a lot of, you know, eyes tuned into it per se. But, you know, at the end of the day, this Arkansas team, no matter what their record is or what their wins are, as long as K.J. Jefferson is a quarterback, they're going to be in every game. And, and I'm I glad think that's that, something. I'm glad you yeah. said that because I touched on it last week. Whenever I said my hot take of last, one of my hot takes of last week was Sam Pittman is about to be on a hot seat. I think that's because when K.J. Jefferson leaves after this year, who do they have coming up next? Can he fill that spot that K.J. Jefferson has right now that is hiding a lot of problems? That's a good point. That's a great point. I mean, you got Arkansas, which I knew they had a uh, they had a tough schedule. Yes, absolutely. Th- them not beating BYU is massive in terms of their total wins this mm-hmm. season because you're looking at Arkansas t- – you, you say worst case scenario through six games, and you would still think that you're three and three. And they're sitting right now. They're two. They're two and four. They're zero and three in the SEC. Um, I don't know their full record. I don't have it put up in front of me right now. But they're going to have to pull out some wins that maybe they're not predicted to win in order to save this season. I mean, I think I did have them going seven and five in the preseason. Um, and my preseason predictions, but now I'm really hesitant. I don't know. Like, it's it's crazy. I mean, I feel like right now Auburn could probably beat Arkansas. Well, um, I think in my preseason predictions, I said the absolute worst that Arkansas would be is 6-6. Six and six. Yeah. They're going to pull some games here at the end that they probably shouldn't win to even get to 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, they're definitely clawing for bowl eligibility. But Ole Miss, I do want to talk about them. They won the game. Um, Jackson Dart, not a great game. Not a great game. I mean, 16 to 25, 153 yards, a touchdown. Um, it was really the running game for Ole Miss. You had Bentley the fourth. Uh, he had 13 attempts, 94 yards, a touchdown. Um, you had Judkins, who didn't have a lot of yards, but 18 attempts, 65 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, they really tried to run the ball. You had Jackson Dart, who ran it 12 times, 33 yards. So, I mean, you had over 40 attempts, almost 50 attempts of running the ball. No, 40, 40. Um, I mean, what does that say? 43 attempts, 44, if you count the wide receivers, carry. And what does that say about Ole Miss's plan, though, going into the game, knowing that um, you're only going to have 25 passing attempts and you're going to have 43, 44 rushing attempts? Is that just because that's the way the game played out, or do you think they really tried to run the ball against Arkansas? They seen something in the locker or on film or something? I think they really tried to run the ball against Arkansas because Arkansas's defense has not looked great this year at times, especially the run defense. I think their secondary is is pretty decent, and I I said that back earlier this year that they looked pretty decent. They've got some tall uh, defensive backs out there that – 
uh, play really good man defense. They can bat balls away that some of the shorter guys can't. I think that might have been the game plan going in for Ole Miss is get the the run game going. Um, I also heard from Lane Kiffin that Jackson Dart is not 100% healthy. So maybe they were trying to get the ball out of his head. He was limping after every play. I mean, the dude was literally just limping everywhere. So, I mean, I completely understand with that. Yeah, so I guess they were trying to get the ball out of his hands as much as they could so that the pressure wouldn't be on him. Um, I, I think this just came down to this is the way the game was played, but I think a lot of it was also Ole Miss kind of causing the game to be that way because they just did not look sharp in the game. And, you know, we've mentioned, I think it's the hangover from the LSU game. Yeah, offensively, I don't. Th- I, I I do want to kind of credit their defense. Their defense was everywhere. Yeah, their um, defense. Forcing, they they were able to get to KJ um, multiple times. You know, I, as much as I talk up KJ, he threw some terrible throws. I mean, he had two interceptions that cost him big time. Um, let me. T- <laughs> what if I told you in the preseason? You know, as high as we were on Rocket Sanders, and I get it, he's been battling injury. I know but he was going to have a game this year where he was the leading rusher for Arkansas with 15 yards. What would you say to that? I'll say this. If you were to tell me that, I would tell you that Arkansas got absolutely boat raced in the game. And that <laughs> <Yeah. didn't happen. laughs> no, it didn't. No, it didn't. Um, I'm just, I cannot believe that he was actually the leading rusher for Arkansas. I mean, that's the story of the game, though. One dimensional. You know, and that's something Tennessee does really well is they run, they pass. They run, they pass. Sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes we don't have as many yards as we want to have in the passing game. But, like, at the end of the day, when you look at the stats, it is absolutely, like, 50-50 or even 60-40 run to pass. And when you see teams that try to replicate that or or try to be balanced and it's just not there, a lot of times they are not on the winning column of that game. Um, And, unfortunately – this game was in the hands of KJ Jefferson, and that's why I think he was throw. Uh, he, you know, he threw those high pressured interceptions. Um, credit to the Land Shark defense; they they were crazy, man. They were everywhere, and um, they really picked up the offense when they wasn't clicking. And that's what I want to see from Tennessee. Honestly, if I could kind of bring out my fandom a little bit, the the way that they were able to play complimentary when the offense wasn't clicking, but the defense was, I, I do want to see that. That would be what gives me hope in next week's game. But, you know, do you have any final thoughts on the recap? I do want to talk about just vaguely the Red River Showdown because we did predict that game. And I do want to throw myself a bone because your boy took a lot of heat. A lot of heat. You you want to talk about Georgia and Kentucky fans giving me hell. I got a lot of heat for picking Oklahoma in that game. But my, oh, my. What a game it was. And Dylan Gabriel, man, I thought he had something special, and he brought it out. Look, and Dylan Gabriel played really well, um, former Josh Josh Heifel product. But let me also give – I won't say the MVP of this game, but yeah. a big stat in this game was the Oklahoma defense because I said last week that I was taking Texas because I trusted Texas defense more. Oklahoma – they had Texas had the ball first and goal on the one yard line. This was crazy. I'm glad you seen this. Four straight plays. Oklahoma no, touched them. I, I mean, they, Oklahoma's defense played very well yesterday, and they ended up pulling out the game. Uh, what's what's crazy about well though? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's crazy about that is Texas still found a way to take the lead. Like, after that sequence, I'm like, okay, Oklahoma's winning the game. No, they couldn't finish. I don't know what happened. I don't know if Oklahoma had a turnover. But somehow, Texas got the ball back, even after that. Go down and score what you would think would be the game winner. I don't know if it was a field goal or a touchdown. Um, but you would think that would be the game winner. And, um, no, Oklahoma decides to call a game. And uh, my, oh, my, was... I think the entire football nation in shock after that game and including myself. I mean, 34-30, what a shootout that was. Very fun. Let me tell you something. That might have been the best slate of noon games I've ever seen in my life. It was a very good slate of noon games. But uh, kind of talking about the the turnover thing there, I was going to make mention of this. That's where the game was won and lost. That is true. Texas did not force a turnover in the game, and they had three turnovers themselves. So that was the difference in the game. Yep, and and that's something you can't predict. So I mean, I hate that I predicted the right outcome, but I, you can't necessarily make a prediction based on, uh, you know, ah, they're going to turn the ball over because that's something you've not seen from Quinn Ewers or, or Texas in general is them turning the ball over. Like they've been typically, you know, very clean games, um, and that's what you got to do to win big games like they did against Alabama. Um, I think it's crazy though this this season. We've already talked about it how chaotic it is, and I think it's going to continue to be as we're about to. Uh, wrap up this show and start the prediction show. I, I want to make one final note on that Texas-Oklahoma game. Yep. That that game yesterday was a win for the SEC. And I, I'll tell you why real quick. You know, there's been talk that Texas and Oklahoma need to take that next step before they come into the SEC for them to have any sort of success. Because if you had asked me two years ago, whenever all this first started coming out, I would have yeah. said, man, these two teams are going to be middle of the pack because their defense is not going to match up to these SEC defenses. They, both of these head coaches, give them credit. They have recruited heavily on the defensive side of the ball. Their defenses look really, really similar to SEC defenses, if not right there on par with a lot of SEC defenses. I mean, you look at what Texas did to Alabama earlier this year. So I, this looks really good for the SEC going forward because you've got Texas and Oklahoma both coming into the SEC as powerhouses and not middle-of-the-pack teams. Yeah, I mean, as, as, I kind of have mixed emotions about it because I don't know how I feel about how it's a win-win for Texas-Oklahoma and the SEC. And the reason why I mention that is because I feel like the only beneficiary in that, well, I don't know, because they're bringing big fan bases. So at the end of the day, I guess the SEC would benefit because at the end of the day they would be sec teams at this point but the point i'm trying to make is as soon as it was announced texas and oklahoma are going to the sec that helped them in every way in recruiting in the transfer portal everywhere and now when you talk about two years ago you also got to remember how lincoln riley left oklahoma was very reminiscent of how lane kiffin left tennessee yeah but oklahoma is such a good program that they can get out of that a lot sooner than i guess tennessee could have um and that's not to say Tennessee's bad. I think they just made very dumb decisions during that situation where Oklahoma didn't. They knew who they wanted immediately when that happened. They went and got him. He's been able to turn that program around through the transfer portal and through recruiting. He's able to go into kids' houses now and say, hey, you're going to be playing for the best conference in America if you come yep. here. Because the moment you enroll, we're going to be in the SEC have a have a day like you know and then on top of that you're playing for one of the nation you know top 10 teams in, in college football in oklahoma or texas however you want to spin it they're still in the top 10 15 teams so um you know it helps them i feel like it's always helped them 
and I, and I kind of thought more than it really helped the SEC. But at the end of the day, once they are in the SEC, it is going to help the SEC. It's just right now they're kind of benefiting it solely, you know, because right now they're still Big 12 teams. So, um, but no, I agree with you. It's it's it was a fun game to watch. I cannot wait to see the Texas A and M, uh, Texas A and M and Texas renewed rivalry, and then uh, you know like Arkansas, Oklahoma. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It is. So that does it for our week six recap video. Uh, we're about to start our week seven prediction video. So we're going to close this one out. Get ready to record that one for you. So hopefully this one will be up within the next little bit. And um, Skyler, you got anything further on the recap before we close this out? Yeah, man. As a Tennessee fan, it, it was hard to watch football yesterday. Um, it it kind of sucked waking up, not being really juiced for a game. But uh, it was still a very fun weekend of football. A lot of a lot of big upsets. Um, USC almost went down in, in three overtimes, but they ended up pulling it out. But uh, overall, guys, if you guys enjoyed this recap show, um, if you are uh, every week listeners, give us a, a subscribe, a follow on podcast, YouTube, how, how are you listen to us. Um, we greatly appreciate it. Like we said, we are trying to go live on YouTube real soon. We just need 50 subscribers, guys. So if y'all could, subscribe to the channel and uh, share the video and uh, go Big Orange. Yeah, absolutely. And leave, leave us feedback in the comments as well so that we can help make this a better experience for you guys as well because we're all the time we're new at this. We're trying to make this the best experience for y'all. Uh, we, we just want to deliver our love of football to you guys. So, yeah, subscribe to the channel. And go Big Orange, guys.